Is, it, is anybody else in here, though, like a huge Christmas fan? Like not a moderate Christmas fan, but a big one? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I, I've told you guys this before, but like I genuinely like love all the Christmas stuff. And, and, I, and I really do. Like, I enjoy making our house look Christmassy. I like lighting it up for the neighborhood kind of a thing. Like Christmas songs, anybody? I love them. Okay? Like, like some people, I, I hear people start to complain about Christmas songs super early, like because they start now before Halloween. I love it. Pretty soon it's going to be Labor Day, then Christmas songs. I say do it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm all for Christmas songs. Christmas movies, Right? Like, I love them. I love the Christmas movies. I love to be in the, uh, hang out, watch the movies. I love the classics. I love it's a, a, a Christmas story. I love it's a wonderful life. I, I love Miracle on 34th Street and Home Alone and Die Hard. All the classics, you know what I mean? Like, all the Christmas classics, okay? I, I love the traditions. I, I love our family traditions. I, I love putting up the Christmas tree with my kids. I love hanging the stockings. I love getting my family in the car and, and looking at Christmas lights, right? Anybody else like a Christmas light fan? You, you go around, yeah, you try to find them. They're awesome. I mean, if people left Christmas lights up all year long, I think it'd be great. Uh, like, you ever drive past that house, right? And it's like May and there's lights up, right? And some people are like, look at these people. I'm like, God bless these people, right? Love them. Thank you for doing that. Tis the season, you know? But I love the parties, right? Anybody else a Christmas party fan? Some people are like, man, I got to go to two. I, I love it. Like Christmas, food, family, friends, gifts, all of it. I, I'm thankful for all of it. People talk about Christmas. They, they talk about a Christmas spirit because th there really is this kind of energy, this feeling to all it all. There's this buzz around Christmas. There's, there's so much that's happening. There, there's, there's so much excitement and, and it's great. It's fun. It's all of that. And, and, and yet the challenge, right, for, for, for many, maybe for some of us in the room, is that, that in the midst of all of that great stuff, we, we miss out on the greatest thing and the reason for the whole season, Jesus. One of the reasons that we as a church, we participate in Advent, this season leading up to Christmas, is, is because the purpose of that is really just to get our hearts prepared for what God wants to do. It's just to get our hearts focused on Him. And, and really my hope for us this morning Okay, my, my, my hope for us in just this short time that we have is that, that though Christmas is only a few days away, and I know that's, maybe for some of you, that just like blows your mind. Like you're like, wow, how is Christmas this week, right? But, but, but for just this time that we can, we can let everything else, all the, all the busyness, right, all the planning that's left, all the preparations you have left to make, all the parties you still have to go to, or the busyness, all of it, that, that we can just sort of let all of that fade into the background, and instead, just for this moment, that we can put all of our attention, all of our focus on God, that we can just put all that we have on Him, is really we gather to get today and join with uh, followers of Jesus all over the world who on this day and throughout this week will be gathering just like we are to, to worship and praise and share and celebrate Jesus. That's what I want to do. I want to ask if you're able, if you would stand with me. I want to pray for us this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this day. 
God, thank you for this day that you've given to us. Lord, your word says that today is the day that you have made so we can rejoice and be glad in it. And God, I pray that it would be true for us, Father, that we would rejoice in this day that you have made for all of your purpose and all of your plan in this day. And Father, I thank you that on this day today, God, that you prepared and planned every single person in this room to be here now. God, it's not a mistake, it's not an accident, it's not a coincidence, God, that we are here together in this room. And I thank you, Father, that you have brought us here together for purpose, your purpose for us, Lord God. And Father, I pray that as we open up your word, God, that you would speak to us. God, that every single heart in this room would be open to you. God, that every set of ears in this room would be open to hear from you. God, to receive of you, God, what you would speak to us. So God, would you prepare our hearts now? Lord, open our ears. God, I pray against any distraction, anything that would keep us this morning from having ears to hear you, eyes to see you, hearts to receive you. Lord, come and have your way in us. God, come and minister to every heart in this room, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you can have a seat. Well, this morning we are... Actually, wrapping up is the culmination this morning of our, of our four-part Advent series that we've been calling for unto us. And, and really, this is a series where we have just been looking at the whole story of Christmas, beginning with the problem, uh, the problem being sin, moving on to the promise that, that God would come, moving then to the proclamation, in fact, that he has come. And this morning, uh, I want to share with you about the plan, about God's purpose for sending his son. Uh, if you're here and uh, you're like, man, I, I haven't heard any of those. You missed that. Well, let me tell you, you can always go to our website, edgeward.com. You can listen to those. But for the sake of our time, I'm also going to give you the cliff notes, okay? So I'm going to make sure that we're all on the same page moving forward together. Uh, we began this journey a few weeks ago. We started where the Christmas story actually starts, not with a baby in a manger, but in the garden at the beginning of creation in Genesis chapter one and two, where it tells us that God makes man. He makes you and I in his image and his likeness. We were created by God and for God is what scripture tells us, that, that we were made to love God. We were made to know God. We were made to walk in relationship with God forever. And our love for God, this, this God-centeredness, this god consciousness. This Godward way of living was meant to shape every single part of us. Every thought, every motive, every choice, every decision, every word, every action of our life. And so, so that in every situation, everything of us was meant to glorify God. It was meant to be all about God. It would be us recognizing his existence, recognizing his presence, recognizing his authority, recognizing his goodness. And out of this place of deep and personal love for God, then we would then willingly and joyfully and humbly submit ourselves to God. We would love him and obey him and serve him with our all. Then the deceiver comes, Satan, the devil, shows up in Genesis chapter three and he comes to our first parents, Adam and Eve, and he tempts them to sin against God, to, to disobey God, telling them that they can, in fact, be gods unto themselves. The, the thing is, is that the devil still is telling the same lie to people today, that there is something for you to have, something for you to be more than, more to have, more to be apart from God. 
And Adam and Eve, they listen to this lie and they sin against God. And in that moment, sin enters into the world. But it not only gets into our world, but sin gets into us. Sin corrupts everything, all of creation, including you and I. Okay, so, and that sin, it breaks our connectedness to God. It breaks this relationship that we're meant to have with God. So that now scripture says that every person is born in sin and separated from God. That's the problem. Okay, and this problem, it's not a behavior problem. It's just not the things we do. It's a heart problem. It's within us. I love the way that, our Advent book at home speaks about this. It says that, that if you or I were to stand up and, and you were to start to lean to the right or to the left, you would eventually fall. And what it says is that, that inside every single person, there beats a heart with a very bad lean to it. And so rather than having our heart and our love leaning towards God and his love, our love and our heart naturally leans towards selfish things, to, to other things, to other people, to ourselves, right, that we make into God's things that we give our life and our love for apart from God. And sadly, the Bible tells us that there is nothing in and of ourselves that we can do to change our condition. We cannot fix our hearts. I don't know if you've tried that before, but, but you might be able to change some of the things that you do, but you can't change your heart. We can't pay for our sin. We can't earn our way out of it. We can't ever deserve the goodness and the grace and the love of God. We are completely unable to save ourselves and restore, restore ourselves to God. And yet the Bible tells us that, that though it was us, though it was we who sinned against God, that, that God does not just simply leave us in that garden in our sin and separated from him. But, but, but God makes a promise right there in that garden. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Jasmine actually alluded to it this morning. It, it, Jesus, this is God. He speaks to Satan. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is a prophetic word from God declaring to the devil and all of humanity that though it was the devil who deceived and though it was us who chose to sin and rebel against him that God was going to come and through mankind that he would destroy the work of the devil and the sin that separates us from him this is God telling everyone that Christmas is coming and from this moment forward all of creation the whole world, all of humanity has been waiting for God to do this. Thousands of years watching, looking, waiting for this promised one, this Messiah from God to come. And the joy for us today, part of the big reason that we celebrate Christmas is because God makes good on his word. He always does. And God puts on flesh and he comes into human history born as a baby for us. This is the proclamation that heaven makes to us on this day. Uh, we find that in Luke chapter 2. If you've been to church at all around Christmas, you've certainly heard this story. I'll set it up for you a little bit. Tell me if this sounds familiar. There's shepherds out in a field by night keeping watch over their flock. Sound familiar? Yeah. So, so the shepherds, they're, they're in this field. They're just doing their thing. It's just a regular old day for them. 
okay? Uh, they're, they're keeping watch over their flock at night. And then it says that suddenly, out of nowhere, all of a sudden there's this amazing, intense, bright light and there is an angel of God standing in the midst of them. Can you imagine that? Like, imagine your job and what you ever you do, okay? Right? Like, I, I like to work at night, so th- this, like, makes sense to me. I, I like to, like, be in my basement working at night, and everybody else in the house is asleep. Everything's quiet. And then, bam, there's an angel of God there. A- and then this angel says the most amazing things to them. Right? The greatest news of all he shares. Luke chapter 2. Verses 10 and 11, the angel says this. He says, behold. Okay, in other words, like, listen up. Pay attention. Fix your heart. Fix your ears to what I'm about to tell you. Okay, because this is a big deal. Behold this. Okay, he says, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Not some, not a few, not, not, not some good people. Everybody, everybody's a part of this. I'll bring you good news of great joy for all people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. Not, not to them, not, not, not to somebody else, not, not to just anybody, to you. He is Christ the Lord. Jesus has come. I, I, I want to focus uh, us this morning just on this little expression that a Savior has been born to you. A Savior. The, the, the great joy of Christmas is not simply that God has come, but, but rather it's a celebration of what God the Son has come to do. It's not just a celebration of what has happened, but why it has happened. It is a celebration of the plan of God to save you and me and everyone, because as the angel said, this is good news for everybody, for all the people. This Savior, his salvation, it's for all. Jesus has come to save, to save us from what? To be a savior for what? Well, we know this because when the angel of God shows up to to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father earlier before his birth, Matthew 1, chapter 1, verse 21, he comes and he tells him about his fiancee Mary and he says, listen, she is going to give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sin. The angel says, you need to name him Jesus. And he tells him this because the name Jesus literally means deliverer. It, it means rescuer. Jesus, the son of God, has come to earth on a rescue mission to save us from our condition of sin that separates us from God and restore us again to relationship with him. And how will he do such a thing? Well, well he won't do this thing by his birth but rather by his death on a cross, a perfect and sinless sacrifice and payment for the sin of the world. And by his resurrection back to life, defeating the power of this sin and death's hold over us. This is God's plan to save. Some 700 years even before Jesus is born, the same prophet Isaiah who said, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. This same prophet says this about uh, the future of this Jesus, the birth of this child. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses five and six, he says this, he says, but he being Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace 
was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, but the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. In in verse 10 then, it says this really interesting thing. It, It says, yet it pleased the Lord to crush him, putting him to grief. Other versions would say, it is the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Now, now, now I want you to think about this because, because you have to get your mind and your heart around this radical thing that the scripture is saying to you, okay? That, that how could it be that this good and perfect father would ever be pleased in the crushing of his own son? This verse exists. This is meant to make you stop and be like, how? Why? Why, God? For for you parents in the room, just think about the heart that you have for your kids. The fear that you have for them. The worry, the the concern that you have for them. You hurt for them. You, You do everything you can to protect them, to keep them safe and from harm and danger. You do that because you love them, because you want them to live a a long and, and healthy life. And you pray also even to that end that they will be well in every way. You would never want anything like what Isaiah says about Jesus to be true of your own child. As I was reading this, I was just, I was reminded of uh, when my wife Tony and I uh, first became parents uh, with our oldest, Olivia, and, and just um, when she was just a year and a half year, years of, of age and she had her first seizure. And, and, and I just remember that moment and, and, and I was holding her and I, and I felt her, her body tighten and I, and I saw her eyes roll back in her head and I, I, she was turning blue around her mouth and in her hands and I had no idea what was happening with her and I didn't know if she'd be okay. okay? And I'm calling out for Tony and, and, and there was fear there. We, we were worried because we didn't know what would happen. We didn't know how it would all turn out. We didn't know what the doctors would say. We, we didn't know what kind of report we would get. We didn't know what would happen when the ambulance showed up. This, the heart of every parent to want life and well-being for your child. And so you're meant to look at this passage and say, what could possibly be so moving and powerful in the heart of God the Father that he would be willing even to be pleased with this plan of sending his own son to endure the suffering of a cross? What could be in the heart of God to allow such a thing? And the answer to this, listen to me, the answer to this is amazing and magnificent and redeeming, joyous love in the heart of God. An incredible, unending joy in the heart of Jesus. How, how do I know this is true? Well, I, I know this is true because Scripture tells me so. One of the most popular verses most of us know in this room, John 3.16 tells me that it's for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved 
the world that he gave his son. Okay, he's so loved. This love of God, it's so big, it's so great, he's so committed to us that he is willing to give up his own son for us. God looks at the brokenness of our world. God looks at us, a broken people, separated from him, with broken hearts, broken lives, and his life not living, being alive within us. Uh, this, This people that he made for himself to be with him. And God, so full of love, so full of grace, so full of compassion. He's not willing for us to remain in our condition. Instead, he makes a plan to save us, even by giving his own son. What kind of love is that? No, no, God did not delight in those particular moments of the suffering of his son. God, however, delighted in what he knew that suffering would produce for you and for me. The, the, the whole Christmas story, the whole plan of God is simply a story of God's magnificent love for us. And I'll say it again, a love that we could never earn, a love that we could never deserve. This love is a gracious gift from the heart of God. And not only just love in the heart of God, but, but love and joy in the heart of Jesus. You know, some people, there have been people who've heard this story, this plan of God, and they've painted God out to be, well, well, what kind of father would do that? What kind of father could this God possibly be? They, they paint God to be some sort of cosmic child abuser, as if, as if the father chose this and the son just, it was like, well, I guess I just have to do, no, no, this was the heart of Jesus. How do I know that? Well, because when it comes to Jesus' life, Jesus tells us himself in John 10, verse 18, he says, no one takes it from me. Listen, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. In Hebrews chapter 7, when it talks about this, it tells us that that Jesus offers himself up willingly to the cross. He did that for us. This was the plan of the triune God, okay? This was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect love and perfect unity coming together, okay? And the Son looks at the creation and says, Father, I love them and I'll give my life for them. And the Father says, I love them too. And I'll love them so much that I'll offer that life. I'll endure that. As a father and the Holy Spirit says, I love them so much that I will minister this truth to their hearts. That they might receive the good and perfect work of the Son. Hebrews 12 verse 2 tells us that it was for the joy set before him, speaking about Jesus, for the joy set before him, that he endured the cross, scorning its shame. It says, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was joy in the heart of Jesus. Okay, it was, it was joy. Not, not, now the cross was not the joy. Okay, the suffering wasn't the joy, but there was a joy beyond the cross that Jesus was after by enduring it. Do you know what that joy was? That, that joy was you. That, that joy was me. That joy was us. Okay, God wasn't looking to the cross. God was looking through the cross for what that might mean for us. This plan of God to come for you and me to pay for sin, to restore us to God. This is born out of love and joy in the heart of God. 
Whether you've heard this for the first time or the thousandth, this is good news of great joy for all people. Because here's the truth, okay? The truth for all of us. Someday, sometime, whether today, tomorrow, next week, next year, or or some years down the road, at some point in time, you are going to find yourself in a circumstance or a season where you will be tempted to doubt the love of God. Maybe it'll be a moment of physical suffering. Maybe it'll be a, a time of significant relational struggle or disappointment. Someone you love turns their back on you. Someone you love betrays you or hurts you in some kind of way. Some, maybe it's some kind of financial hardship that, that you find yourself in. That, that you have made it your goal to be a great steward of God's resources and all of a sudden you lose your job. And you say, God, what's going on? <laughs> What's happening here? Or maybe it's just you look at the world we live in with all its brokenness and it just sort of seems like evil is winning all the time and you just wonder like, God, where are you, right? Where is this love? And when you do, and when you find yourself there, you run back to this truth. You run to Christmas. You run to the gift of of Jesus and God's great love for you. I I want you this morning to listen to these words from Romans chapter eight, verse 32. And I want want you really to take this to heart today because this is one of those verses that is meant to sustain you through the hardships of life, okay? Uh, Here's what it says. This is talking about the love of God. It says, he being God who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I want to read that again. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Just think about it. If this God who, who, who loves you, if he would offer up his own son, then will he not also give to you everything else that you need? In other words, what sense would it make for God to do such a thing and then turn his back on you in your time of need? There, there's no redemptive logic in that. And so God's word is saying to us that that your guarantee that God will be faithful to you, that he'll be with you, that he'll be for you, that he'll meet all your needs as you walk through this life and into eternity, it's Christmas, okay? It's this plan of God, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus to save and restore you to God. If God did this for you, he will meet all your needs. Now, Now this doesn't say that God will give you everything you want, okay? But God's a good father. God's a perfect father. And God knows everything you need. In fact, God actually knows what you need better than you know. And this same father who would not spare his own son, will he not also give to you graciously everything you need? This is here so it's, listen, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry and and dwell in the what-ifs. You don't have to have everything figured out because he does, right? How many of you know that there are moments and seasons of life where you have no idea what's going on? Anybody? Like like where you're just like, what is is this? What's happening, right? Like you don't have all the answers where, where where it all just seems a little confusing and you're like, God, what are you possibly up to? Okay, listen, you will never find true rest and calm and peace 
in your heart by way of understanding. Because there are things that God will do in your life. There will, there will be things that God allows in, to be brought into your life that you do not understand. You can't make sense of in the moment. The, the real peace in your heart comes not from knowing, but from knowing the God who's holding you. From knowing his heart, from knowing his love, and trusting in that love for you. Not because then all of a sudden life will make sense for you, but because there will be moments it does not. And so yet you can say with confidence, if my God, this God, if he would give his own son for, my, for me, for life, will he not also graciously give to me all things I need? This is the place where rest, where true rest in your heart and soul can be found. Uh, I want to go back to Isaiah 53 here in verse 10. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to crush him, putting him to grief. And it says, when his soul makes an offering for sin, he will see his offspring. It says he will prolong his days. It says he, th th this here is an implication that, that by the death of one, that, that through this death, life would be given to many. That, that through Jesus' one sacrifice, life would be made available to all, okay, and to all who would receive him. And, and this phrase that, that God will prolong his days is a hint that, that Jesus' life, uh, that his death on a cross would not be the end of the story for Jesus. This is, this is a declaration that life is going to go on for him, okay? That the resurrection is going to happen, but not only a resurrection of life for Jesus, but a resurrection for all those who belong to him, that, that Jesus will also live on in the hearts of all who receive him. Lastly, then it says that the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. What a great phrase. That the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. This means that when, when God placed this rescue mission into the hands of Jesus, he put it in good hands because Jesus would be faithful. And Jesus was faithful. And in doing so, that, that Jesus would, would not only provide us eternal life, but an eternal hope in God. Because Jesus was faithful, we can trust that Jesus will always be faithful. We, we can trust in the goodness of God. I, I don't know, and it's probably good that I don't, but I, I don't know every struggle that you walked into this room with this morning. I, I don't know every burden you've carried, every burden you carry now. I, I don't know the hardships you're facing or the grief in your heart. I don't know the, the temptations maybe that, that you struggle with or that, that affect you now. Uh, but I do know that if, that if you ever have wondered or if you wonder now, God, do you love me, God? Do you see me, God? Are you, are you, do you care, God? Are you for me, right? That, that, that what you find in the Christmas story is that God's answer to you is an emphatic and resounding yes. Behold, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. That's for all people. 
Okay, today in the town of David, a savior sent to restore you to God, sent to pay the penalty for your sin and usher you back into relationship, connectedness with God, meant to bring you back into the life that God meant for you to have in him and with him for all of time. A savior, this savior has been born to you. This is a gift for you. Okay, I know sometimes I've heard people say this, well, God came for people. No, God came for you. Jesus came for you this morning. A savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The apostle Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He said that God made him, speaking about Jesus, who knew no sin or had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus to become our sin so that through Jesus we could become his righteousness. What an amazing gift. What an incredible exchange. Sin is our problem. Jesus is our answer. And this is why he came. This is God's plan. A savior for us. Enter into human history as a baby. To live a perfect and sinless life that you and I could never live. To then willingly give up his life to death on a cross. Dying the death that every single one of us deserved to die because of our sin. To pay for the penalty of our sin. And after three days, to be raised back from death to life. In victory over sin and death and hell, and demons, and all of the work of the enemy to restore us, to bring to us new life, eternal life with God forever. There's no greater gift than this, church. Right? This is the good news declaration of Christmas. The good news declaration of Christmas is that God has a Christmas gift for every single one of us this morning, right? And it's not, it's not, a, it's not in Fancy paper, shining ribbon, right? All that, that stuff. It, it, it is the gift of his son in a manger. It is the gift of Jesus given for you and for me. And just like any real gift, this is a gift that cannot be earned. And this is a gift that cannot be deserved. This is a gift that must simply be received. If you're here this morning and you've never received the Christmas gift from God, this gift of Jesus. If then God invites you, you're invited this morning to experience the real joy of Christmas by putting your hope and your trust in Jesus, the Savior who has come for you. And if you're here this morning and you have received him, then God's invitation for you, God's commission to you is to share that good news. The invitation of God then for you, church, is to be his ambassadors, ambassadors of the kingdom of God, who just like the angel who showed up to proclaim, hey, there's good news for you. A savior has been born to you, that that would be the declaration that we as the people of God make to a hurting and broken and lost world in need of a savior, that, hey, good news of great joy, I got some for you. A savior has been born for you. He's Christ the Lord. There is no greater gift than this one. I'm going to invite Brandy and the team to come back up as I close this this morning. I I love the Christmas story for so many reasons. 
And obviously there's none bigger than this reality, this fact, this truth that God came for you and for me. I haven't been to heaven yet, but I expect it's gonna be a whole lot better than here. And for God to leave the glory of heaven to come into the mess that is this world, to give up his life for you and for me. What an amazing gift. What an amazing reality and what great cause that ought to give us to rejoice as the people of God. And, and I love that, that God's gift, that when it came to Christmas, God, God didn't just give anything, he gave himself. What an amazing gift of God. And, and so also my encouragement to you this morning in this Christmas season and that for all it's fun, for, for all the time that, that you enjoy with family or friends and all the, the, the gifts that you exchange for all of that kind of stuff, that more than just giving gifts, that you would be one. That like Jesus, you would just be a gift, that you would be a blessing, that you would love and serve and honor the people that, that God's put you with and that you would share them this good news of great joy for all people. If you would, would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna close this morning in a similar way to the shepherds, right, where it says that they glorified God and praised him. We're gonna close this morning with our praise and our rejoicing. Father, thanks for this morning. Thank you for this time. Father, thank you for Jesus. God, thank you for the amazing gift of your son. God, a gift we didn't earn, a gift we never deserved. God, but a gift born out of your heart of love for us, your grace for us. Father, my prayer this morning is that every single person in this room, God, would receive the gift of your son. God, would know your great love for them. God, that for for those who are here this morning who are hurting, grieving, suffering, struggling, God. Lord, that you would encourage them by your spirit, God, that you would minister to them right where they are this morning. That your hope and your joy would abound to them. God, that that your word, Lord, where you say to us that, that if you would not give up your own son for us, then will you not also graciously give to all us all things? God, I pray that that word would just reverberate in hearts throughout this day and this season. Father, that we would cling to you, that we would hold fast. God, that, God that, that we would enjoy this season, that we'd celebrate, but God, that we would exalt you, that we would lift you up, and God, that we would share this good and great news of great joy for all people, a Savior who has come for all. God, I pray for anyone in this room who has not yet received that gift, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister in their hearts. And if you're here this morning and you just have that tug on your heart where you're just like, that's for me, that, then, my incur- then receive that gift of Jesus this morning. And it's really simple. It, it, it's, you don't do anything. God already did all the work. You receive it. You put your hope and your trust in what Jesus has done for you. You say to him, God, I, I, I surrender all my sin, all my own doing, all my life to you, and I receive your life for me. And God restores us and his spirit fills us and God empowers us to live the life that God came for us to have in him and to give us life everlasting. 
And Father, I pray for your church this morning. Lord, that, that we would not become, uh, Lord, just complacent with the good news of Christmas. God, God, that it wouldn't just be this sort of monotonous thing that we do. Look, this routine that we show up for church and we, we sing carols and, and God, it's all familiar to us. But God, I pray that by your spirit, you would awaken us to the awe and wonder again of your story. God, to the goodness of your grace, to the love of you, our Father, to the gift of you, Jesus. And Father, that we would just want God to share you, Lord, with whoever you put before us, God, because we have received this great and powerful truth. Lord, have your way in us, God. Lord, we love you. We bless you this morning. Thank you for coming for us. We exalt and celebrate you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.